Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. The Man in the Tree by Ian Gordon, based on a prompt by Edward Lorne. Michael wasn't your typical teenager. Instead of devoting his time to the relentless consumption of internet pornography, as his school friends felt compelled to announce on a daily basis, he spent his evenings exploring the darkest corners of the World Wide Web, in search of the weird and the wonderful. This wandering, as the thirteen-year-old put it, exposed his adolescent mind to subjects such as ufology, cryptozoology, mentalism, and hypnosis. He found the latter to be especially interesting. As late-night television was ending one night in the autumn of 1997, Michael lay back on his bed and gazed at the ceiling. His goal was to achieve a state of deep relaxation, a state of mind synonymous with the ever-appealing concepts of astral projection and lucid dreaming. It had become a nightly ritual, owing to the shared experiences of anonymous forum members on the popular website Know Your Fear. The teenager masqueraded there under the moniker Two-Bit Friendly. To reach this state of deep relaxation, a method known as the rollback was employed. The would-be meditator would find a quiet place in which to lie, roll his or her eyes back, and await the onset of a rather uncomfortable burning sensation. This burn, as it was described online, was to be endured for a short while, to purge one's head of distracting thoughts. Returning one's eyes to their resting positions would result in a brief sense of euphoria, a state of pure relaxation, the forum post had concluded. A strange practice for a thirteen-year-old, some might say, but Michael's inquiring mind had to be satiated. Quickly succumbing to the burn, Two-Bit Friendly closed his eyes. The room was quiet, the muted television spat static into the room, striking lamps and bedposts, casting shadows and secrets. Michael's bedroom occupied the entirety of a loft space, in which vast Velux windows dominated steep, vaulted ceilings. During the day, the view over the back of the Schakowsky household held the charm of a Monet landscape. A grove of willows occupied an impressive yard, the far end of which overlooked a brook and the expansive Wilderswood. After dark, Two-Bit Friendly's vista was reduced to nothing more than a dark horizon of forest canopy, and the finger-like limbs and crooked extremities of a lone silver birch. Out there in the night, something unseen triggered the Picard security light next door. Michael lay unaware of the change, though the glare of the television, the glow of the security light, and the softest hint of moonlight worked to influence the colourful shapes he perceived beneath his heavy eyelids. Entranced by weird, kaleidoscopic figures, the boy drifted into a deep, albeit unintentional, sleep. In the depths of slumber, the wanderer encountered a stranger. Michael was strolling through the tops of the Wilderswood, quiet, rarely frequented thoroughfares known only to locals. The sun was low, casting that inimitable orange glare across the forest floor. Among the thickets and the thorns, he caught sight of two distinct orbs of light, emanating from what appeared to be the silhouette of a man. The figure was still and watchful. The boy's gaze remained fixed upon the entity, 
Assessing its shape and form, he crept closer, eager to bask in its presence, to comprehend its purpose. But the vision promptly faded, along with the night. Around noon the following day, the dream returned to Michael, along with the unsettling image of the man in the thickets. He doubted the encounter was the result of his deep relaxation attempts. Although vivid, the journey through the Wilderswood hadn't been lucid. Instead, the recollection felt like an invitation. To what, exactly? The remainder of that breezy autumnal day progressed as most days do, events both meaningful and mediocre merging to form a catalogue of memories. Michael's highlights included the end of the school day at 3 p.m., the acquisition of a vintage synthesizer courtesy of Bob Picard next door, the familiar melody of Lindisfarne's Fog on the Tyne, as aired by some obscure AM radio station, and the locking of his bedroom door at 9.15 p.m., signalling the commencement of two-bit friendlies time. Throughout, the boy pondered the dream. The usual haunts were quiet. Know your fear, late plate, and W. Sales' captive bacon were all barren, their members presumably engaged in the gunning down of zombies in dystopian wastelands. Instead, Michael placated his active imagination with late-night television. As Channel 4's John Ronson concluded a discussion regarding the love of Subterranea, Two-Bit Friendly's attention returned to the love of esoterica. Relaxation time. The burn worked its magic, and Michael closed his eyes, allowing the moment of elation to cloud his thoughts. Static from the portable television filled the room, and again something unseen triggered the security light next door. With it came another source of light, and it was this that prevented the wanderer from dreaming. As the boy fought against the lure of sleep, unwanted thoughts crept into his mind, resulting in an awareness of the new source of light pressing upon his eyelids. Slowly he opened his eyes. The television clicked on to standby. The security light illuminated the bottom of the bed, animating the limbs of the lone silver birch as they bobbed up and down in the night air. Glancing upwards, Michael saw the stranger instantly. Up in the tree, perched owl-like upon the scrawniest of branches, the man with the luminous eyes watched. Quietly and rhythmically, the stranger blinked, and as it did so, its eyes flashed. The boy wanted to liken the experience to that of the previous night, the sleepy prowl through the tops of the Wilderswood, the stars above the curling canopy, the fearsome glare of the silhouetted stranger. But it wasn't the same. The being had substance, and despite the boy's silent prayers to be rid of the bird-like creature in its intrepid stare, it remained. Beheld by its mesmeric gaze, two-bit friendly sank deeper and deeper into the trance. Its shimmering eyes imparted intent, but as the data transmitted began to organize itself, the man in the tree disappeared. The following day, an exhilarated Michael Schakowsky hurled himself into the family library. His father, a Polish historian and occult enthusiast, kept numerous volumes on the Fortean and the Unexplained. One such volume, The Missing Persons of Britain's South by A. Lindsay, explored the concept of a being known as the Mass, a dark, vaporous cloud, 
which was said to have materialized in woods and forests throughout the southern counties of England in the late seventies. This amorphous shape, lacking any acceptable definition, had allegedly communicated with individuals, using bright, flashing lights. Several eyewitnesses went so far as to suggest the being was some sort of extra-dimensional entity, a visitor from another plane of existence, here to relate something of vital importance to the well-being of mankind. A related article spoke of the relationship between flashing lights and binary numbers, furthering the concept of using binary code to communicate with extraterrestrials. Michael had an idea. Perhaps he could establish a dialogue. A torch would do it, and although random flashes directed at the stranger would undoubtedly equate to gibberish, the entity would at least know Michael grasped the method of communication. Into the early hours, the boy prepared for his next encounter with the man in the tree. Turning the television off just after midnight, he ensured his view of the silver birch was uninterrupted, and sat on the bed, torch in hand. The stars were bright overhead, a gentle breeze set the scene. The silver birch swayed in the night, its crooked limbs looming menacingly, suggestive of unlikely entities and dangerous secrets. Seduced by the ever-changing shadows surrounding him, two-bit friendly succumbed to the call of sleep. As before, Michael found himself amongst the aging trees of the Wilderswood, again captivated by its undulating knolls and countless groves. Sunlight beamed, setting the foliage alight. Between the thickets and the thorns, the silhouetted stranger was waiting, its shimmering stare fixed upon the approaching teenager. Nearing the figure, the boy found himself in the grip of fear. The hands of his vacant body in the waking world clutched the torch, but in the depths of dream there was nothing there to grasp. The stranger would go undazzled. Under the protective limbs of a sycamore, the boy gulped as the figure emerged from the shrubs. Silently it skulked across the leaf-strewn forest floor, its bright eyes never leaving him. Into the sunlight it strode, and Michael saw the horrible truth. The man that wasn't a man, the being with eyes like stars, was nothing more than a computer-generated image, a mass of pixels. The rendering ambled forth, its polygonal limbs animated with determination. Its glowing eyes widened, and the boy peered into them. Two-bit friendly shot up in bed, his hand still wrapped around the torch. In a frenzy, he clicked the torch on and off several times, desperate to communicate with the being. But he was quite alone. Numb from the nightmare, Michael sat in silence, pondering that most incredible vision he'd glimpsed in the eyes of the man in the tree. The following day, Michael donned his pier-shunned boots and rain-mac, and headed out into the Wilderswood. He'd awoken abruptly that morning, his head filled with visions of the pixelated stranger. It had attempted to communicate with him, just like those beings reported in the missing persons of Britain's South. The boy was certain the man in the tree had imparted a message of profound importance, and he was determined to recall it. The golden thoroughfares of the Wilderswood welcomed young Michael, providing both shelter from the misty morning rain, and a quiet place in which to reflect upon the encounters. He crossed the wooden bridge by Crook's Corner, and passed the grove of elms. He traversed the sand pits of Oliver's Copse, and beheld the twelve stones, 
before finally ascending the steep embankment to the tops. Among the thickets and the thorns, the boy crouched, focused intently upon the memory of the thing that had dwelt there in his dreams. Something came back to him. Deep within its shimmering eyes, Michael had observed rows and rows of numbers, zeros and ones. Fortunately, he was good with numbers, a gift passed down through the generations on his father's side. If the man in the tree had employed binary code as a means of communication, could further nocturnal meetings lead to unequivocal understanding? As the hours slipped by, the boy's unconscious mind processed the sequences of numbers he'd observed. Somehow it was effortless. The great tapestry steadily revealed itself, proffering passing glimpses of the strange world beyond those glowing eyes. Vast banks of terminals were revealed to him, in front of which stood tall, androgynous humanoids, each seemingly at work. Above the terminals were complex gantries, interspersed with pipes, conduits, and walkways, and there the boy saw further humanoids, monitoring the activity below with indifference. Later, having returned to the relative comfort of his bedroom, the visions concluded, as Michael observed yet more entities, each engaged in the act of design, architecture of the most grandiose kind, deserts and mountains, rivers and oceans, towns and cities, flora and fauna. And then it was midnight. Michael prepared for the burn. Submitting to the heat, he closed his eyes and fell into a reverie. The concept of time dissipated, leaving Two-Bit Friendly alone in a void of his own making. Into the void came the man in the tree. Opening his eyes, the boy once again beheld the figure. In its gaze, the fragmentary visions he'd processed throughout the day were unified, and in an instant Michael understood. The man in the tree was an architect, one of many. It and its colleagues had constructed an experimental workspace, a virtual realm in which to study the concept of intelligence. It was merely a spectator, it revealed, but had grown to empathize with the plight of its creations, wishing to deliver a message of warning. The architects were about to conclude their experiment, it said, and in doing so would terminate the program, erasing it completely from the titanic databanks that filled a chamber the size of a city. It was unfortunate, it inferred, that in this case, life manufactured life. The man in the tree had come to Michael as a friend, an extra-dimensional interloper, attracted to the boy with an aptitude for mathematics, and a love of the arcane. As it transmitted its final string of zeros and ones, its shimmering eyes shed luminous, cosmic tears. Two-bit friendly blinked, and both the man in the tree and the universe disappeared. <laughs>